Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. All things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. We might even throw a bit of MRP in there this morning. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And I'm glad that you said right around the country because you're obviously enjoying this three-week holiday. We're in sunny (laughs) Queensland right now. You've got a three-week break coming up. You know the most... Well, it's not the most disappointing part. We're not really in Queensland, by the way. (laughs) People ask... uh, Oh, what are you going to do for the next three weeks? Exactly. There's the no same. three weeks off. <laughs> Just train your ass off. That's that's what we do. Go in, run, don't touch footies, go in the heat room. It's awful. What a load of crap what happened during the week. And you have copped it something shocking on every avenue of... Well, I'm, I was going to say social media. I'm going to say media. And I've, <laughs> I do cop my fair bit too, but I reckon you've taken the cake on this one well and truly... People, a, people, people have got a lot to say. Uh, how do you? How are you being travelling, Patrick? Because it's a. So you had a big week. I did, and I, <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> I did. It was a big week. Honestly, it does feel like with the abuse that you cop, it's like you've murdered someone. Yeah, it, it is so. You, but don't say that because then people will say to you, "How do you know you've been on murder charge?" Oh no, oh, but, like I, you can't win, no matter what. You can't. You no, can't win. I, I cop that abuse as did well. You? <laughs> like for don't as, say it for as great as uh, bad luck. I've already done it. Uh. Um, for as you know, all the good things that social media brings us, up-to-date news, whether it be Twitter, what have you, you know, Instagram, you can follow, um, you know, the people that you really enjoy um, spying on, um, <laughs> whether it be your favourite celebrity or your favourite fisherman or whatever it might be. But I tell you what, the trolls are just exhausting. So that, I guarantee was, that you, was challenging. That's probably 60% of them would probably still come up during the street and ask for a photo as well. That's the, that's the awkward thing. It's it like, is. <laughs> like they, they, they got a lot to say. Oh, there's Pat. Look, you're an idiot. So get off social media because you don't do it in person. So don't do it on a screen. Exactly Simple. right. And what a load of crap that MRP, whatever you want to call it is. I am... You got No, you don't need to speak. I'm speaking on behalf of him. <laughs> um, but no, I'm serious. AFL as... I know the rule was stated, whatever it was, but you have legally bumped a footballer playing a contact sport. The player went to kick it. He didn't kick it. He changed his mind to handball it in the matter of time that you're running at full speed and you've collided a player with your shoulder, all legal. You've accidentally, in the meantime, knocked yourself out with five stitches. I'm going to say you have, but you look like you bloody did. It was a different incident to go on, yeah. And... It, like it just, it just. I understand what happened. Is shocking to see on the ground. It's horrible. I didn't want to, you don't. You don't want to see a player get stretched off like that. But it's accidental. AFL seriously, something needs to be done because you read back all the trolls on social media hammering the AFL saying you're ruining the game, and this is one of them saying that you haven't. You actually haven't done anything wrong legally. Even Razor Ray, whatever his name is, said that you did nothing wrong. It wasn't even. It wasn't even a free kick. So I think the thing that gets missed in in all of this, well, not missed. It's the reason I've been suspended. But the view and our understanding of concussion has changed yep. significantly 
over the last few years. We've got to make sure as a code now we continue and we don't waver on this. So regardless of whether you agree or disagree with it, it's outcome-based and if there is a concussion, that's the, that's the most important thing that, that is the take-home message of we've got to do this better than we've done previously. I see what they're implementing, but you didn't do anything wrong. But it, it's irrelevant in, in, the, in the reasoning of end result is concussion and it's the one thing, not the one thing, but the, one of the most important things that we need to eradicate from the game. So in, in 20 years' Which time... Which I do agree with, 100%. You know, we're not having ex-players coming out and talking about you know, these, these horrific um, if you want to eradic- living experiences that they have because of, because of concussion and what they... Um, Incurred while they whilst they were playing. If so you want to eradicate it, if you want to get rid of it, the concussion that means the game changes completely to touch football. No, it doesn't. It, it the game is because accidents the game, happen, the, and there will always be accidents That's that right. happen. But the game is changing. We're we're understanding concussion, and we are, we still have a huge amount of work to do to truly understand it. The brain is still one of those things that we know a bit about, but not as much as we'd like to. Um, and how every brain reacts differently to concussion and the rattling of the brain in, inside of your skull. So. I would never get concussion because I don't have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I, I'm i disappointed, but I, I certainly understand and respect the the reasoning behind it and, and where we need to get to in terms of a game and how we, we need to um, address it. Before but I get... We I, need to move I'm, on. I'm angry. Let's change. We are, Patrick, something extraordinary out from Perth during the week was a, a fella actually seen with his binoculars a tinny around 14, 15 foot about 10k off Perth doing donuts and he could see there was actually no one on the boat. Pretty yeah, in, scary. In, incredibly sad to see this week Aaron as you said um, and and earlier in the week police did confirm that a body had been washed up um, on the beach uh, a 68 year old man after he's obviously fallen out of his his boat, um, the conditions weren't great. He was out with his with his dog, and it and it begs the question: something that you and I were sort of debating: yep. is it time when underway? So once once you're driving, that it is mandatory to have your lanyard attached to you. So if you do fall off your boat, and you can go through what a lanyard is in a second, if you do fall off your boat, like in a jet ski the motor cuts out immediately. Yep. Uh, so yeah, lanyard is I reckon the, fishing by your... Yeah, so lan, lanyard comes off your throttle controller. So as soon as you pull that, the motor cuts out. Shuts down straight away and it attaches off your throttle controller onto, for example, it might be your T-shirt or your life jacket or whatever yep. it is. I, th- I I wouldn't... Going off right now, I, if I went out by myself now, I probably wouldn't do it just because it hasn't... Other than us discussing it, it's not something that goes through your head. You've never thought of it. Yeah, exactly. You never really. You just don't do it. But if it becomes mandatory, then would maybe, you would I, you support a mandatory ruling? I don't think it's a dumb idea. But in, depending on the maybe it's depending on the waterways because it's it's so tragic to see. But and and I know this incident was it's shocking result from the whole incident in itself. But how often the amount of vessels that are on the water each day? around the country, it doesn't happen often either. That's sort of another argument too. doesn't, but if it was there, then if it's to pro- this, this if it poor makes, old man yep. and his family doesn't have to go through the tragedy that, yeah, spot that occurs. Yeah, I probably would support it. Let's get to your week in fishing. 
this week's fishing was quite hard to fish, Pat, this week uh, for myself. The wind was shocking, yep. really shocking. And actually, a couple of days weren't as bad as they made them out, but I'd already planned other things around the wind, hence looking after a kid. But <laughs> it's uh, been a dad. But it's uh, no, the fishing's still going fantastic. I had a guide earlier in the week on the whiting. We managed to get our 60 whiting, which I haven't really been chasing a hell of a lot as of late, hence the tuna bite that it's moment's taken my attention. But the whiting fishery was sensational, and we're going to see that get better and better in the months or couple of months to come. Offshore tuna, they're still there. I know Portland, there's some really nice tuna out of Portland, Port Ferry, Julia Percy, fishing really, really well. well. Yep. Down off Welshpool um, is fished towards the Gippsland, right up to Marlow. There are some a lot of kingfish still hanging around, and people think now the colder days uh, that the, the kingfish shut off, but they actually don't because what happens is we get stability, and stability is what we want. We don't want... When you're chasing these kings, we want the temperature to reach that sort of, Wayne says 18, but anything that warmer will we'll suggest warm water around that 17 to 18. But in summer, it just keeps growing. But as soon as, and you might have days where you don't get bites, well, when it goes stable, you tend to be able to work out their bite times really, really well. Mm. And that's what we have in the month of March to April. So the water doesn't all of a sudden just rapidly decrease in 10 seconds because we haven't had a few 30-degree days or had 25s. It, it, it stabilizes. It literally, we've got stable weather. Yeah, it's windy, but it's been that 22 to 23 a lot of the days. A couple of colder ones here and there, but it's been steady. So it's very, very good for our fishing. The calamari fishing has been on the tougher side in the past, say, four months since yeah. they stopped uh, breeding. But I've noticed so many people are going out there and they're actually doing really, really well catching uh, catching plenty of calamari, which is good to see too. So like I said, probably I'd like to say February to April is my favourite time to get out in the water and uh, target some fish. Divers versus fishos, this has been really quite topical, whether it be social media and it hasn't been, um, you know, just one particular state. It's been every state. It's been exacerbated on... That's a huge word. That's a huge word. We'll increase awareness (laughs) with the tuna fishing that's happening at the moment because what happens, the schools of tuna come up and then all of a sudden boats all converge on the spot where the the fish are up. Now, the challenges at the moment are you can zip there. If you're you're a dive boat, you don't have to bring any lures in or anything. You can hit at 40 knots, get to that school first, send your divers in before any fishing boat is in within any sort of remote vicinity of it. And the challenge is that you can't trawl past them, Aaron, as a recreational fisherman because there's divers in the water. Yep, you've got to keep your distance and stay under, well, under five knots, five knots and under in a certain distance of your dive of your divers that are in the water. And I am a diver. Uh, I dive a hell of a lot. Not so much my spearfishing, bits and pieces, but I do enjoy uh, getting in the water and diving. Uh, I think the problem we're having now, Paddy, is once again, comes back to that chat at the start with social media being so, so great for so many things but so bad for others. But it's with... People are going out there seeing people spearing them. So then all of a sudden, Bob and John and Fred down the road want to try it. Then try it. Then people try it. And they go out and spend the money and they want to go do it. So instead of just having the normal crew out there that, when I say normal, the, the guys that used to do it, they've got so many more people now. There's another 20 or people that are on top of them that do it regularly now. So you don't just have your normal crew going out there doing it. It's so many people doing it. But between the divers and the fishos, I think we need to somehow come up with the respect, the natural respect of each other. Say, for instance, I'm working a school of fish myself. I'm working it. There might be a couple of boats working it. The diver should not come into that school. And the reason I'm, I'm, I say it like this is because a lot of the time, especially where I'm talking about Port Phillip Bay of the Heads, 
there's numerous schools out there. There are so many different schools out there that you can pick one to an, to another. Where vice versa, if I see a school that's getting worked by birds and whatnot, and there's a dive, couple of dive, divers in it, I don't think I should have the right to go towards it. I think it's about respecting each other's ways, making it work both ways. Because before we know it, an incident's going to happen. I've had, I've seen blues out there, like borderline punch-ons of people. You're too close to me. Like we'll work in this first. We'll cast in stick baits here, then you'll just jump in and you've scared the fish. And anyway, another thing for the divers out there that want just a little tip when they get in the water. Those when you the, the fish that we're chasing as fishermen quite often have your mutton birds and your your, yep. your turns working them, and those fish are feeding fish, so they're feeding, so they're actively moving in the water. Yep. As a recommendation for the divers, if you do want to go out there, and I've got a couple of mates that are right into their diving. I'm talking very very good. They've speared fish for years and years, marlin, barrel tuna, you name it, and a couple of good. They actually don't jump in the water when there's boats there because those fish are actually extremely hard to spear yeah where what he'll do is those fish for instance you were talking about a couple of weeks ago those sunning fish they are the ones you want to spear because they're docile you can sort of choose which one you want you're not going to get a bad shot and injure the fish yep. you get a good shot on the fish you get to pick the size of you it you can slowly uh swim creep, creep your way over up, that's over, right yep yep and they're the, and them fish are the ones that quite often us anglers don't tend to want to fish on because they're really hard to get to bite yeah so yep. That's another good way for the divers to do it. Not saying that they've got the right to jump in or whatever they want, hundred percent. But I think between the divers and fishos, let's uh, let's try and get a little bit of balance between and respect each other. Whoever's on it first, let's work like that. We've got a huge show of real adventures this morning coming your way. We're catching up with Wayne Blake. He's going to talk us through his new trawling motor, electric trawling motor that he's uh, fitted to his Stady craft and the benefits that has which should make fishing a hell of a lot more enjoyable, particularly those that don't want to break their backs on anchor. All coming your way this morning. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get into the social club, Aaron, uh, I was reading That was very serious. Well, this is very serious. I was reading an article earlier in the week on boatsales.com.au and it was fascinating, the the discussion around live bait lures um, and whether they could be potentially banned and this was being sort of driven by the Animal Justice Party. So speculation that the New South Wales Wales government will consider a ban on live baiting is wrong, the animal rights group um, have, have have said. But it, it begs the question, is live baiting cruelty against animals? Oh, I don't... I am the I am a person that when I fish, I don't waste anything. So what I mean by that is I don't kill anything unless I know it's going to waste. I'm not going to waste. Yep. So what I mean by that is whatever whiting I take, I know that... I, I've got myself and my friends and family who can't go out there and catch it. I don't see a bird on the water and try and kill it. I can't stand things dying. I can't even go shooting. I got yeah. my gun license. I went and got my gun license. I went. I remember I went fox. Yeah. I went. I, I, I felt you got I, big into I it shot for two fox. weeks. I killed a fox and I got like literally hated it. Like I literally hated. It. Like, I'm like I'm, and that's a fox. And I'm like it's I, an introduced species, I, mate. I, I don't like. He, I know, but still, he's got a life. It's not his fault. Like I felt guilty, and I'm not a bloody brainy bloody whatever you want to call it. I'm not into that. But I also respect what we have. I don't. One thing I bloody hates littering. Not as much as Al McGlashan, but I don't like. <laughs> I don't. I don't like littering either. But I seriously, this this decision with live baiting is, if you stick in your rules and your regulations of your catch for the day, yep, you should be able to do what you want. 
with that fish other than sell it illegally. Yes. Whatever the rule the rules are behind your state or where you live. But if I want to catch a slimy mackerel that the marlin are feeding on, yep. that is potentially it's their food chain, and I throw it into a bait ball and I catch a marlin with that, I don't see a big problem with it in the slightest. I not even the slightest. I haven't caught more than my bag limit. I haven't kept an undersized fish. Yep. I haven't done anything illegal that leads up to Giving, it's, a, it's a dog eat dog world mate like it's like it's no, I, agree I eat I eat meat I, you know what I hate doing is this is a thing come this was the reason I got my gun license because I hate going to the supermarket and buying a steak like it's I, I don't want to say I hate I don't think about it often but I would much rather go out there and kill something Find myself yep. which I think is how we should live but I also don't want to do the shooting part of it so yeah yep. <laughs> like I can't win either way yeah but as everyone goes to the supermarket and they buy their steaks and their chicken and they don't know what's happened with it they wouldn't have a slight faintest idea but for me to go out and catch a slimy mackerel and throw it into uh into a school of mar- uh, feeding marlin or a kingfish with calamari uh it's I don't find it cruel in the sl- in the slightest way it's their food source it's what they eat and well, you're not the fish, mate. That's why. I'm not the fish. And, but if I get picked up and thrown out of the planet for an alien to want to eat me, then this is what it is. Well, you're going to use that. Whether you, you kill the bait at the time, I you're going to use it in one in one way or another. Exactly. Whether that, And like, what's the difference between live bait and dead, dead bait? bait? There isn't yep. a single bit of difference. So that slimy mackerel that I chucked out live, and I know they're going to say it's cruel because it's live and it's on a hook attached to it, blah, blah, blah. But but how you've threaded the like, hook, it's like it's it's swimming naturally. It's not hurting like it's yep. into the water. Yes, it doesn't want to be there. But either does the one that I just cut into chunks on my gummy shark. So like, there's so many different ways to look at it. And I, if this does somehow make its way in, I think okay. it'll be a shit fight. <laughs> I reckon you've got a few angry fishermen on your way. It's time for the social club where we take your questions from social media. Send us in a question if you want to ask. Fire away on Instagram or on Facebook or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. It's got all our latest reviews, uh, podcasts, recipes, tips and tricks. The first question. Redman. First question is from Craig to me, so I'm going to let you read this one. Red, you speak about slow tides around the full moon, but why is there so much water in the bays and rivers? Yeah, that's a good question and I've had this question numerous times. Because it's high tide? <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a bit sarcastic there. No, uh, well, actually, you might need to di- decipher that. Well, uh, we'll go into it a little bit. So what happens is around moons, our tides slow up. So that once that moon gets closer to the Earth, our tide, the tide, the pull to the tide isn't as strong. But what it does is it, ele- it the water actually stays in stays fuller and doesn't run out as much. So what I mean by that is if I go, for instance, down near my place, Bowen River, which is just a normal river that attaches to the ocean. Fills up, goes down. Now, I went out during the week. We're in the full moon today or tomorrow. And during the week, I went out, and the river was on... It was a low tide, and I went out with one of my mates who doesn't go out there a lot. And I said, look, this is low tide, but this is as full as you're going to get it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, because we're on a full tide, a full moon, the, the river fills up, but there's no flow on it coming out. So there's not much water coming out. It stays in, fills back up, but nothing comes out. So the water actually stays in there. Where when you're off a moon, when your tides are big, the reason that they're big is because the moon's further away, whatnot, and the pull's stronger, and it pulls the water out, all of it out, and that's why you get your low, low tides. Where around the full moon, it's very full. Everything has the capacity of the river or the Port Phillip Bay is higher, and it doesn't release all the water out. It only dribbles out, and then it fills back up very, very, um, very, not very quickly, but it all that's why the slow tides as well. So it trickles in, but then it fills up. That's why there's no tidal flow because it's at its capacity. And then it slowly 
comes back out again. And as next week happens, Pat, as we get off this full moon, we're going to have the big tides. The water's going to rush out of the river. You're going to see the bottom of the banks again. And that's pretty much uh, the best way to explain how why you've got so much water. Rather than tide strength, it's actually the water that's sitting in your bay or your river. The next question is from Tom. Might be from Hawkins. Danger. Maybe. <laughs> Mate, it could be. Danger. With a few weeks off footy, are you going to get on the water a few more times? I bloody hope so, Tom. Stop, well, Tom, stop bringing it up, mate. Your All schedule right, doesn't... Mate. Your schedule changes, don't no? The schedule gets worse. Because <laughs> you're punished. <laughs> but you, you are. You're basically... You've got to try and catch up on that sort of 12Ks that you'd normally run, you know, on a Saturday afternoon. And for me, because I've missed a fair bit of the pre-season, it's a bit of an opportunity to, to add sort of training load. But the answer is yes, I'd like to. I've... I've been doing a fair bit of trout fishing in the Otways uh, of late, which I've really enjoyed. So I plan to do a bit of that, get the Staby boat out, which would be nice. Um, Come down and visit me. And and maybe visit uh, old mate Redmond. Down go get a two tuna. The tuna's fishing pretty well. Uh, I, I think the tuna aren't going to be in the numbers. Uh, sorry, they're going to be in the numbers they previously were. I said, I said this last week, but I've noticed even during the week there were smaller patches of fish again. Well, this is perfect because it relates to Dan's question. Red, uh, have you seen the tuna numbers offshore lately? Do you think oh. these fish will hang around? I'm pretty much answered that. I've stuffed that segment up. So, I'm joking. So you, yep. well, you have, and we've spoken well, about this before, majority of the, the year, they're there around. They're, there might be months where they're few and far between, but yep. there's not too many months now where they're not. Here. So over the past two years, two seasons, so this season just gone now from before Christmas to the one before, we've had an abundance of like just the, the numbers have been incredible of the tuna. And people say to you, people will say to me quite often, "How do you know they weren't here beforehand?" And I'll say, "Well, I've got numerous reasons because, say, three four years ago when I was offshore every second or third day doing my gummy sharks, chasing my kingfish, uh, drifting for flathead, I didn't see." It. 500,000 mutton birds flying mm. up and down the coast. I didn't see big tuna splashing out the water. And it's easy for me to answer that because I'm on the water so much and I know that they haven't been here like this. But one thing I don't know is this time last year, uh, we were already in lockdown, Pat. We were yeah. locked down. So we basically went from having a fantastic tuna fishery to me returning on the water a few months later, whatever it was. Can't remember now. Don't want to remember. But basically I returned and they weren't there. Yep. Not in the numbers, so I didn't. I probably could have stretched and stretched looking for them, but it wasn't on my to do list because I just couldn't find them easy. And about me, for me, it's about going out there and having an efficient day. But so, you, you hadn't been able to get on the water to have a real clear picture on where they'd gone. That's right. Like, so I don't know. Had they moved up the coast and you could chase them for a bit? It was. I, I couldn't follow them. They could have been out the front of your place. They could have been off the Cape, I, the Shank. I could not follow these fish. So it's going to be interesting to see but look back to what i was sort of saying before was the schools that are there and i spoke to chris vasileski good friend of the show from gone fishing charters we spoke about it and we've noticed that you used to go oh chris you're on, he'll ring me oh but chris the fish are here he goes oh i've got a patch here oh i found another patch on the way there well now it's like right oh the fish are here yep there's a big patch it might be there might be five kilometers of them like in different patches but then they're but 10k back there's not another 5 they're not plentiful back. everywhere they're not as much as they were still in great numbers I'm not complaining but they were everywhere yep. so I think as this and you've got to remember Pat these school fish that they're 30 kilo say some of the bigger ones up to 40 at times but a lot of that 20 kilo stuff which in Portland we don't often get a lot of bluefin around that 20 to 40 kilo which is what we're getting 
the tuna they get down there, and Chris goes down there for his Portland charters, are between that 8 to 14 kilo to 16 kilo, the odd bigger ones here and there. So they're a different runner fish, have to be a different runner fish. Yep. They're not your Bermagui fish because they're up to 100 at times, which we haven't seen. Not one has been caught and landed mm. out of here. So it's not... It's not, that's what I'm trying to say is it's, we don't know this patch of fish, where they come from. All I know is whatever uh, every per, every tuna champion, we'll call them, everyone that's involved in the sustainability of tuna fishery, fishery including myself to charters, they're all doing the right thing. We're sticking to the rules and regs and these numbers are coming up. I think they're at what percent? You might know a bit better than me. Can you remember? I think it's like 9% or something. Yeah, it's around it's, that mark. Yeah, it's coming up gradually and and it's fantastic to see what we have on our doorstep. How far away before you start to look at Portland as an oh, option to it's go and start any, to... Any minute. Yep. Yeah, it's literally... I know a fish that got caught this time last year. So yep. it's just more of the fact... It's very hard to go do something. And it's for me, as work, I need to catch fish. So for me to go to Portland, it costs... Not only because it costs money, but it's two to three days of work for me. So you're so, waiting for good reports oh, yeah, of I'll consistent probably wait for, catches of barrels. Yeah, I'll pretty much wait for that for the work side of it. Uh the charters will be up there soon, so you'll, better, you'll get better. You'll get a better gauge once the charters get there. What the life's like, but all it takes is for me and you to go down there. You, you and I to go down there now, and we could catch one. And they could be there already. So you put the time in. You've got to put the time in. That's the thing. And for me, because I'm not casually going for a weekend's fish. I need to make living to feed my kid. So it's about keeping all my members and everything happy on the water, locally catching fish. So by me going to Portland and spending two and a half days, it could be for nothing. It could stuff me up for my week's work and don't get bloody paid anything for the week. So yep. it's about, for me, being on the water, following the fish that people want to catch, for instance, at the moment, the tuna outside the heads, the whiting, the gummy sharks, the kingfish that Gwaine's been getting. The most likely fish. The to most catch likely the fish that people want to do. It's work for me. So that there is basically the spiel on what I think is going to happen in the tuna fishery, Pat. Next question is for you, Patrick, from Tim, Tim French. Do you have any tips on easing kids into fishing? I do. I think the most important things thing when getting kids into anything is to not force it on them because we all know whenever we force something on kids they absolutely detest it regardless of whether they actually enjoy it or not make it as fun as it possibly can be and then don't try to overstay your welcome with something that you really enjoy so don't go out there and fish for eight hours go out to the pier squid fishing go squid fishing is a great example and go there for an hour and after that it's time to head home, do something fun afterwards. Go to the ice cream shop. Andrew Thompson. Hi, guys. I like drift, drifting for flatties in the bay at Port Ferry. Do you have any tips for keeping the boat straight in the drift so you can fish both sides of the boat without the lines going under the boat? Thanks. Now, Andrew, that's a pretty pretty easy question to answer. You don't want your boat to be drifting the way that you're explaining. Uh, so what I mean by that is... You don't want to be drifting with the nose of the boat going in the direction of the wind. You don't, and you don't want it to be uh, going. That's that's how it's going to be going its fastest. So the wind's going to be getting caught in the cabin. You want to slow your drift down. So you actually want to you actually want to drift on the side of your boat. It slows the drips the drift down, and the boat doesn't fly with the wind. So what we're going to do there is, if the wind is a little bit breezy, get your sea anchor out that we always talk about. Your parachute, your drogue, whatever you want to call it. Get it out, and we've reviewed it many a times. 35 bucks from your local tackle store or boating store. I'm sure they'll have it there. Tie it midship. So tie it, I guess, where your, your windscreen is, roughly around that area where your bow rail comes down. Tie it there. 
and you want to fish out the side of the boat with your engine turned towards the wind, the way the wind's blowing from. That's going to slow your drift down and you're going to catch more flathead. You're going to have, yes, three people out the side, but you're going to catch more fish because you're going to drift a lot slower. If you do want to drift the way that you are, you're explaining there, keep your steering wheel straight, open up your clears and your hatch at your front of your boat and you will drift straight down if you really want to do that. But what I just explained to you then is definitely the best way to be, uh, to be able to drift for any species, Pat. I'm not just talking about uh, flathead. I'm talking about for a mako. If you set a mako drift out, if you set a squid drift out, whatever you want to do, you want to set your boat up on the side. You're not going to see the charter boats out chasing snapper off bow and heads there, drifting with the wind with their nose pointed straight. They're going to be drifting on the side. They're going to have most of their punters out one side of the boat, and that's how they're going to do their best to catch more fish. So that there is basically how you set your boat up for any sort of drift fishing wherever you are around the country. That is the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures social pages or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. All aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. Time for all aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Dometic mobile living made easy. And he's out on the water every time we talk to because Dwayne. Because he's, he's on there, if not more than me. He we, is. We actually got to pay to water fees to be on the water. That's where we're on there that much. Dwayne Blake, not only is he a Frogley's Offshore Ambassador, Mako Sunglasses Ambassador, Stabycraft, you name it, he's also your business partner at Salt Guide and he runs a professional fishing guide service you've been doing all week, Gwaine. Um, you're also, at the moment, calibrating a new electric motor, which we're quite interested to hear about. Yeah, so I've just um, purchased a new Garmin Force, which is um, I'm just trying to calibrate now. I've got it half calibrated. It actually tells you when you're doing a calibration what percentage, you know, if you've done a, like, sort of like a test, I suppose, at the moment it's saying 80%. So when I get off the phone, I'll have another crack at it. But it's really easy to do. It's like a three-step process. I literally just checked Google. I didn't even bother reading the instructions. I just Googled it and it gets you right there how to do it. And very simple. So um, you won't even hear it now. It's that silent. I've never heard one like this. It's just absolutely deadly silent. So the idea for me now is I can actually drive towards a widening spot get 100 metres from it, um, put my GPS on it with the um, electric down spot lock. It'll drive straight over the top of that mark and sit exactly on it. There's no guessing about where we're anchoring and obviously deadly silent, no anchors going down, no chain, any of that sort of stuff. You've, you've shocked me with uh, a bloke decides not to read the instructions and just go straight into... Oh, that's just us. That's just fishermen in general. <laughs> <That's Yeah. it. laughs> but for those that don't... Yeah, I, I never used to read instructions and there was no such thing as Google then, but... Until you, you know, went to Ikea. That, the, the kids showed me how to use Google and it just, it's so, so much easier, shortcuts. You have, to be, you have to be able to read to actually read instructions. That's where I struggle. Now, those <laughs> playing at home that have long memories, Gwaine, they shouldn't be alarmed. This has nothing to do with the old force motors of the 1990s. Wait, we need a, what's it, what is a force no. motor for the punters out there that don't know what it is? What's a Garmin Force? So a Garmin Force is an electric motor. Um, it's... It's one of the uh, unique motor like no others on, on the market. 
So at the moment, I'm running off a 24-volt system, and it's giving me 80-pound uh, thrust. But if I choose that that's not powerful for my boat, like, um, you know, obviously because of wind grab and maybe tide and western port, I can add that third battery getting me up to 36 volt, and that will actually jump up to 100 pound thrust. So it's not like getting one and, you know, just sort of second guessing and hope it works. Like this, I can just add another battery in it and I definitely know it's going to work. Pat's literally like a little kid right now because he loves his toys. Well, I love technology. I think it's in, it's important. And obviously, this is a market that is now becoming increasingly popular. We've seen it obviously in the automotive industry. Um, for a long time, it had been dominated by Minn Kota and we're starting to see some other big players. And Garmin, you know, have made a big a big foray into into the electric motor space. I think it was start of last year. So it, it'll be fascinating to see how it's going to improve and change your fishing. Obviously, Gwen, that's one of the reasons that um, you've put it onto your boat. Where do you see the advantages of, of adding an electric motor to your fishing? Because once upon a time, people viewed electric motors as something that you only used in estuaries. Yeah, so that's right. So I've been lucky enough, obviously, in my guiding to experience quite a few of them, and I'm on some pretty big boats. Um, the reason I've gone with Garmin is obviously on everything else on the boat is Garmin, so it all links together. There's no, like, um, I don't have to do too much manual stuff if I don't want to because it will work through the units. Um, one of the other things is it actually has a GT54 transducer in the underneath the prop shaft. So I've got now forward sounding capabilities as well through that head unit, so that helps a lot. You know, because you can actually see exactly what you're sitting on. But for instance, if you're trying to anchor on one of the artificial reefs in Port Phillip Bay, and this happens to man red quite a lot, we'll anchor and then the wind will shift. So we might have anchored in it subtly, and then all of a sudden the wind shifts southeast. And because you're in 20 metres of water and you've got 40 metres of rope out to anchor securely, you'll drift off that mark by up to 30 metres. Whereas this just sits you on top of it. Or if the fish are moving off the edge of it, I can actually see them on the sounder and re-spot lock over that school of fish. In so terms of usability, in terms of usability, because clearly both of you spend a huge amount of time on the water and you're aware of of tides, wind changes, what it does to your anchoring and how to counter that. For the novice that doesn't spend a huge amount of time on water, it, it almost makes it or it makes it far easier to forget the anchor. You can just hit spot lock. And as you said, Gwen, because it'll actually already talk to the instruments that you've got because everything's Garmin linked, it's it's a lot easier if you don't fish often to be able to lock into one position and know that it's not going to fail. You're not going to swing. There's not going to be any other environmental factors that'll move the position of the boat. Yeah, that's right. It's simple things like you could be drifting for squid. You get that patch of squid. And sometimes it's hard to go back and drift back on them, especially when they're on their, their eggs. You could mark the eggs and spot lock right on top of them instead of you know trying to line that drift up again or there's another boat coming in your direction. You can literally just sit on top of them. And that's, that's your patch then. We're going to uh, get into a fishing report in a couple of seconds. You are listening to Gwaine Blake from Gwaine's Professional Services. Gwaine, I reckon... One of the most common things that I encounter, and I know you would for a fact, is the reason people don't catch a lot of fish is due to their anchoring abilities, not anchoring in the right spots. And I think this is a game changer. I'm even, Pat, I've even said to yourself, I've contemplated getting it on my boat. So 
I'll let Gwaine do the testing for us. But thanks for the review on the Garmin Force. But give us a fishing report, Gwaine. What's been biting and how's the fishing been? Okay, so we've sort of had that unstable weather pattern for the last week or so now, and it's, it's just settled back down. We had a big blow from the east, and it, no one really knows what that's going to do this time of year. Quite often that can be the one that changes the water temp, and obviously the temp dropping would, would make species leave, for instance, like kingfish. But um, the water's pretty stable soon and still, and we've had that all that flood up the north pushing back down the east coast and wrapping around to us. So I think that we're going to have that pocket of water for a little bit longer. I think it's going to hold there. So there's still kingfish. Um, tuna, it's just about where you want to catch them now. They're just everywhere. You can catch them out of Welsh Pool, out of um, eastern and western entrance of Western Port Strait at the front of you know, Bow and Heads, they're, they're absolutely everywhere. So there's plenty of tuna. And then inshore, the whiting is still going very well. We're getting autumn-sized whiting now. Those fatter fish have moved back down from the northern parts of the bay and they're starting to go to their sort of you know, staging grounds for autumn. And we're getting some really big fish up to that 49, 50 centimetres. There was one weighed in at the local club the other day that was 53 centimetres. I think it went 1.5. Three or something like that. So some really stonking lighting and obviously our gummies and calabari too as the water starts cooling off in the bays, they're going to get better and better. There you have it. Gwaine Blake from Gwaine Professional Services. Thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning and we'll get our next report off you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Brent's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. And now it's time for Red's Review for Club Marine. Axis Boat Bailey Kit. I had a lot of my water in my boat a few weeks ago, Pat. So I <laughs> so got going, you thinking. I did get me thinking and I was having a look online because your bilge pump's fantastic, but when you've got a lot of water, your bilge pump can only produce so much water where a bucket can manually, it can assist it oh, quite this, bloody quickly. This actually happened to me last week as well. I took out, I've got a little Vino's punt. I took it out in the ocean because I thought, oh, the weather's pretty good. I actually took my father-in-law out and we discovered pretty quickly that... Um, there's a reason you don't take Vino's punts out in swell too often because they have no capability of actually lifting the nose even when I turn down the throttle. So we had half the boat full of water. and even though How did the water come in? Well, we punched through a wave. Oh, just from the water? And wa- it's a yeah. Vino's boat. There's no protection up front, mate. <laughs> there's no protection up front. So if I had something a little bit better than the um, ice cream container that I had at the back, because I had all the bait in the, uh, continue to in the impre- bucket. Continue to impress me. <laughs> So this is better I'm going to buy you one of these. This is a bit better than an ice cream container, you're saying? Yeah, just a little bit. I'm going to purchase you one. I can afford it. They're $20 from your Anaconda stores if you are a club member. I think they call it Patrick down at Anaconda there. But basically everything that is in the kit, you pretty much need all of it by law anyway. So you're going to have it on your boat. But the kit, what I mean by a kit, when you get a kit, you tend to keep your kit together, if that makes sense, where yep. if you buy stuff randomly, one's on one side of the boat, one's here, your torch is there, this is there. This is in a... A sealed container. Where are your flares? Oh, they're somewhere. <laughs> they might be under the floor. <laughs> That's right. You just don't know where it is. I've actually, I ended up putting a safety bag in just to keep it all together because you just, like, your fire extinguisher's there, then there, anyway. Yeah. Back to the review. Sorry. But basically, all the stuff that comes in it, you will require by law anyway. But the kit includes a baler bucket at around one and a half litres, which is, has a built-in handle, which is 
mate, you, you need a decent handle because you, you're lifting one and a half litres of water constantly out in and out. You want to have something to grip on. 50-foot throw rope with an orange float, which is extremely handy to have the, the rope actually floating rather than sinking down. It comes up comes with a double-A torch, but your batteries are not included. Keep that there, Pat. Get yourself some batteries. <laughs> a whistle for attracting attention, a signal mirror and navigation compass, which you need to have a compass by law in your boat. And uh, basically, the kit is waterproof with an airtight container, so you can put a few other items in there. For example, your flares, if you want to keep them handy in a bucket too. So that's Red's Review. It is $20 from your Anaconda. Make sure you do go and get yourself one. So basically everything stays together when you do get a bit of trouble. That was Red's Review. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Red's Tip. For Go Fish Nagambi. For your chance to win, head to gofishnagambi.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. The tip this week, Pat, is pretty bloody simple, and I've, I've spoken about it before, but it's never been a tip. And the reason that I say it is because I got a little bit of a warning the other day. Lucky my mate was actually working with him. He was on the other side of the car park, but I, he come down to say something to me, and I got let off. We won't mention names, but the police are very strict on, water police and land police, very strict on wearing your life jacket when launching your boat by yourself and what I mean by that Pat say you and I are going tomorrow it's all good I jump in the boat you're in the car you back me down I jump in the boat to be honest with you very rarely do I put a life jacket on because you just don't like it nothing's going to happen but something if you forget to put the bung in you end up in the water and you hit your head trying to get water out of your boat or whatnot with with my review with my with my bucket but basically you want to have a life jacket on for safety purposes but a big factor as well is a fine Yep. You're going to say it's a, it's a pretty big fine. I don't reckon the coppers will be probably fine. They'll probably warn you first time around, but they'll definitely be, be in the back of their mind next time. But it is going to save you a, fine, a massive, massive fine. And another another thing there is to purchase an item that is going to be extremely handy, and Axis life jackets have a bum bag. And what I mean by that is it's PFD type 1, so it's 100% legal to wear wherever you are. A lot of kayakers and whatnot have it because it gets out of the way rather than having something around their chest. It's a belt that goes around your hips, Pat, and it's a just a bum bag. It sits on the front of your on the front of your, your stomach there, and that there is so much easier to put. It's literally around your waist click. It's like easier than a car seat. Yep. So a car a seat belt in a car. So I highly advise you buy one of them, and they're about $180 as well. So that there is Red's tip, tip for the week. That was Red's tip for Go Fish Nagambi. Win 80k cold hard cash. Enter now at gofishnagambi.com.au. It is now time for the Flying Gaff. It is time for the Flying Gaff. The Flying Gaff this week goes to a former Olympic hero and his brother who faced drug smuggling charges. Now, there's a video circulating at the moment of the Navy taking down this boat, guns drawn. Like the whole works and accused of attempting to import 650 kilos of cocaine. Like whenever I see these, these incredible uh, Navy videos charging through huge swells on, on whether it be people trying to import drugs or people smuggling, whatever it is, it's amazing what our Navy women and men do and go through and the gung-ho um, conditions that they put themselves through. So the gaff is headed that way. We are very lucky that we obviously are supported by an incredible 
Australian Navy. They do a terrific job. Uh, so another shout-out to them, Redmond. Spot on, mate. That is Real Adventures for the week. You are... Not playing not, not playing for well, You're meant to play. Is it last night? Last you're night meant to play last playing. night. The Cats played. Uh, good rest, Patrick. Take it as a positive. We'll see you guys on the water soon. Cheers. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91